Some people think they're the victims of other people's behavior, but in actuality, we have control over how people treat us. Welcome to Learn With Us, brought to you by 303 and We are a team of four non-financial advisors who are exploring a revolutionary new financial approach that goes beyond money to prioritize your emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being. Through weekly meetings and engaging podcasts, we strive to help you improve all aspects of your well-being as well as ours. Come join us on this journey of growth and self-improvement because at 303 and we believe true wealth extends beyond dollars and cents. Happy learning. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Learn With Us. Today, we're going over Chapter 5, Influences, in the book, The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. How's everybody doing? Well, I'm doing pretty good. Not too bad myself. I didn't ask you. <laughs> you usually do, so I'm just used to it. The first paragraph of chapter five basically sums up everything we've talked about this whole last month or so and what we're going to talk about today. So Amanda, take it away. Hopefully by now you understand exactly how important your choices are. Even those that seem insignificant when compounded can make an extreme impact on your life. We've also discussed the fact that you are 100% responsible for your life. You alone are responsible for the choices you make and the actions you take. That said, you must also realize your choices, behaviors, and habits are influenced by very powerful external forces. Most of us aren't aware of the subtle control these forces have on our lives. For you to sustain your positive trajectory toward your goals, you'll need to understand and govern these influences so they will support rather than derail your journey toward success. Everyone is affected by three kinds of influences. Input, which is what you feed your mind, associations, the people with whom you spend your time, and your environment, which is your surroundings. We really couldn't have said that any better. So, best way to start would be number one, input. Garbage in, garbage out. He says, if you want your brain to perform at its peak, you've got to be even more vigilant about what you feed it. Are you feeding it news summaries or mind-numbing sitcoms? You know, it's weird, though. He really goes on to say that the news itself is bad, too. So it's like those are double. (laughs) You lose either way. Because, unfortunately, the news is mostly negative. Yes, they never want to share any great deed. doesn't sell. Which leads to the next part, which I really like. He says, your brain is not designed to make you happy. Your brain has only one agenda in mind, and that's survival. It's always watching for signs of lack and attack. Your brain is programmed to seek out the negative. And marketers know that, so they use your fears as the news does because you're going to want to worry about terrorists and you're not going to worry about Jimmy winning the spelling bee. says, so when you switch on that radio on the way to work and get bombarded with all those reports about robbery, fires, attacks, the tanking economy, your brain lights up. It will now spend all day chewing over that feast of fear, worry, and negativity. And then same deal when you tune into the evening news after work more bad news perfect your mind will stew on it all night long and you think you're educating yourself staying informed in the world but really you're hurting yourself because you're influencing yourself with stuff you can't even change you have no control over the army it says left to its own devices your mind will traffic in the negative worrisome and fearful all day and night we can't change our dna but we can change our behavior We can teach our minds to look beyond the lack and attack. We can be disciplined and proactive about what we allow in. And then that's when he says, don't drink the dirty water. He says, your mind is like an empty glass. It'll hold anything you put into it. 
You put in sensational news, salacious headlines, talk show rants, and you're pouring dirty water into your glass. If you've got dark, dismal, worrisome water in your glass, everything you create will be filtered through that muddy mess because that's what you'll be thinking about. It goes on to say that if you start filling it full of good information, positive things, good podcast information, stuff like that, you can take the muddy water and eventually you can filter it right out of your life. And you can end up with a glass of pure, clear water. He said, what is clear water? Positive, inspirational, and supportive input and ideas. So stories of aspiration, people who, despite challenges, are overcoming obstacles and achieving great things, strategies of success and prosperity. Those are examples of what's good. Uh, I was trying to think of some ways, but I had one that we were doing TikTok, and I was watching all this horrible stuff, but... Now we reset the category and started only harding uh, church stuff for me personally. That's what I've been watching, and it, it's now it's filled it right full. And I don't need it, it's other stuff still comes in, but that's now what I end up watching a lot more of. Is no, I did the same thing with my TikTok. I didn't even mean to, but I would dwell and watch these things, and then research more on that topic, whatever it was. And before I knew it, that's all I got was about this one subject that was not even it wasn't good it was a negative thing and um when I did the same thing I just I, st I stopped watching stop scroll as quickly as you can over it and then your algorithm can reset and now all my stuff is positive and learning and funny kid things <laughs> no it's amazing because you didn't I wasn't even caring it was like whatever this is TikTok but you can make it whatever you want so it could be any you know you can quit watching TV well at first, maybe you could stop watching just murder mysteries and being worried someone's coming for you. Start watching soccer games or something. <laughs> I don't know a good replace. <laughs> I like this part. Unless you decide to hole up in a cave or on a desert island, you're going to get dirty water in your glass. It's going to be on billboards, on CNN, while you're walking through the airport, on the screaming tabloid headlines at the checkout when you're buying groceries. Even your friends, family members, and your own negative mental tapes can flood dirty water into your glass. I was thinking coworkers always being like, oh, this job stinks. And it's like, why do you have to say that? Like, it's so early in the morning. We haven't even started. Like, come on. Now I'm going to sit here and dwell on all the bad things. And you've, like, planted that seed, as he says. And he says maybe that you can't avoid all situations like that, specifically if you're talking about that. But I guess I would suggest trying to figure out a way around it. Like if you don't need to be available to talk or listen, then put in some headphones while you're doing your work and then you won't have to hear them. That's what he was saying, though. It's hard not to. You're like, you hear them talking, you're going to eavesdrop a little and you're like, yeah, they're not even talking to you, and they still plant that seed just from you listening. The author talks about how he didn't really grow up with TV. He used to just watch like a show or two that was on regular television. It wasn't part of their family, their family life. And he says that I managed somehow to thrive without it, and that's given me a clearer perspective. When I watch an occasional program, sure, I'll laugh along with the sitcom, but afterwards I feel the same as if I just ate fast food, bloated and malnourished. 
and I can't get over how commercials prey on our psychology, our fears, pains, needs, and weaknesses. If I walked through life thinking that I am not enough just as I am, and that I need to buy this and that and the other thing to be okay, how can I expect to create any amazing results? We were talking about this before the podcast, but I was thinking about Hulu, how I pay a little extra for commercial free, and uh, you know, that was more just because I hate commercials, but I wondered if that's almost a good thing now, because you can get away from all that. And I don't see commercials tell me I need to buy the newest and latest. So I wonder how much money we've saved from not being influenced by some sort of product. When was this book written? Copyright first one, 2010, I think. First edition. Yeah. 2010. That's almost 14 years ago. (coughs) Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Not that long ago. The reason why I I wanted to know how long. So it's been 14 years since he made this estimated observation says the average American watches 4.7 hours of TV a day it's almost 33 hours per week and it's the equivalent of watching TV for two solid months out of every 12 and people wonder why they can't get ahead in life and I just want to point out that in 2010 there was no TikTok or phone usage was probably a lot down you guys didn't even think about right you had to pay for your data there was no unlimited scrolling everywhere you were so i guarantee it's probably double people probably have double that amount of screen time can you imagine so even if it's even one more month that's three months out of the year four potentially and you wonder why you can't i wonder why i can't get ahead or why i never have that's a lot of wasted time i'm literally speechless That's a lot of wasted time. So how do you fix all this? Well, he says, put yourself on a media diet. The media thrives on taking us hostage. The media has always used shocking and sensational headlines to draw attention. But today, instead of three news TV and radio networks, there are hundreds running 24-7. Instead of a few newspapers, there are endless portals reaching us from our computers to our phones. And as we were literally just talking about, (laughs) he's not talking about TikTok news where you have thousands of people with no education no nothing giving opinions with making it look real yeah he's just talking about the real like like big news channels and newspapers yeah produced like tv versions says they find a dozen or so of the most heinous scandalous criminal murderous bleak and horrid things that happen in the world each day and then they parade them through our papers news channels and the web over and over Meanwhile, during the same 24-hour period, millions of wonderful, beautiful, incredible things have happened, yet we hear very little about them. In being wired to seek out the negative, we create and demand for more and more. How could the positive news stories ever hope to compete with those ratings or advertising dollars? That's so sad. Thinking about doing our financial journey, we've realized that money is very scary and has way too much power. So they would rather tell you all these horrible things so you'll watch it than ever give you some cool information to make you excited every day because that doesn't sell no they, they won't make money off that that's horrible <laughs> it says the great danger of the media is that it gives us a very perverted view of the world because the focus and the repetition of messaging is on the negative that's what our minds start believing this warped and narrow view of what's not working has a severe influence on your creative potential it can be crippling beyond so he leads into my personal junk filter i really liked his enroll and drive time you because 
I watched this TikTok one time, and it really opened my eyes. There's a guy working for a lawnmower company, and he's sitting on a lawnmower, and he goes, if you work for a company like this where you have the option to listen to books and instead of music, and you spend all your time listening to music, you well, he used some bad language, but <laughs> you are really wasteful, basically, is what he said. And it really opened my eyes. I'm like, wow, because... I could be at work, I'm watching all these movies and stuff just to distract myself while I'm there, but if I was watching courses and stuff, I mean, I, I learned how to start a podcast because of watching stuff at work, like, that's real. <laughs> so Drive Time You is something you should do, is dedicate time to yourself to listen to nothing but good stuff to influence you. It says the average American drives 12,000 miles a year, that's 300 hours of flushing potential right there. You could turn your car into a mobile classroom. <laughs> mobile classroom. Love it. Using the time you're currently wasting by listening to Drive Time Radio, you could obtain the equivalent of a PhD in leadership, sales success, wealth building, relationship excellence, or whatever course you choose. I 100% believe that. No, it's just amazing. The next one is associations. Who's influencing you? Wow, he uses that really cheesy quote, birds of a feather flock together. <laughs> The people with whom you habitually associate are called your reference group. And your reference group determines as much as 95% of your success or failure in life. That's a hard one to accept because you think it's about, like, you know, being better than everyone else. That's what I feel like, and it's hard for me to, you know. I'm not trying to tell you I'm better. It's we're not the same, and that's okay, but, you know. Because he ends up telling you you need to get rid of some people in your life. He says, who do you spend your time with? Who are the people you most admire? Are these two groups of people exactly the same? If not, why not? The com We become the combined average of the five people we hang around the most. Ron would continue to say that we could tell the quality of our health, attitude, and income by looking at the people around us. I'm sorry, Jim Ron, that was his name. The people with whom we spend our time determine what conversations dominate our attention, and to which attitudes and opinions we are regularly exposed. Eventually, we start to eat what they eat, talk like they talk, read what they read, think like they think, watch what they watch, treat people how they treat them, even dress like they dress. The funny thing is, more often than not, we are completely unaware of the similarities between us and our circle of five. It's amazing because if you don't watch sports and all your friends do, eventually you're going to start watching the game. And you start caring, and before you know it, you're going to be maybe not as thrilled as them, but you'll definitely be into sports. So if you start hanging out with people who do nothing but talk about money, they're going to start getting rich. It's, it almost has to be. It's what they're doing. It's what they think about. Yeah, swings both ways. It says their influence is so subtle that it's like being on an inner tube out in the ocean, feeling like you're floating in place. Until you look up and realize the gentle current has pushed you a half a mile down the shore. Think of your friends who order greasy appetizers or a cocktail before dinner and that's their routine. Hang out with them enough and you'll find yourself grabbing for cheese nachos and potato skins and joining them for that extra beer or glass of wine matching their pace. Meanwhile, your other friends order healthy food and talk about inspiring books they're reading and their ambitions in their businesses and you begin to assimilate their behaviors and habits. So watch out. You cannot hang out with the negative people and expect to live a positive life. No, that's what I was talking about before. Was that's, it was hard for me to think about because it's like I have these people who I want to be their friends, and but 
the way they act is just so hard. It's like you can't be around that much negativity. It's not helpful for any reason to just complain all day or never try to fix the situation. Now that you've started to carefully consider with whom you spend your time, let's go a little deeper. As Jim Rohn taught me, it's powerful to evaluate and shift your associations into three categories, disassociations, limited associations, and expanded associations. So let's break them down. We got the first one, disassociation, which I was talking about earlier is one of the harder ones because you have to realize that there's a difference between your friendship and your personal life, and you have to choose your personal life at the end of the day. Another reason it's been really hard for us is we have been thinking about moving back to New York, but I have this fear of all my old ways are stuck there. Like when we moved out, we made a bunch of new choices to start over. By moving back there, old friends, old habits will be right back. And he's kind of confirming that right now with this. The next one is limited associations says there are some people you can spend three hours with but not three days and others you can spend three minutes with and not three hours always remember that the influence of associations is both powerful and subtle the person you're walking with can determine whether you slow your pace or quicken it literally and figuratively also you can't help but be touched by the dominant attitudes actions and behaviors of the people with whom you spend time decide how much you can afford to be influenced based on how those people represent themselves. He says, I've got a neighbor who's a three-minute friend. For three minutes, we have a great chit-chat, but we wouldn't mesh for three hours. I can hang out with an old high school friend for three hours, but he's not a three-day kind of guy. And then there are some people I can hang around with for a few days, but wouldn't go on an extended vacation with. Take a look at your relationships and make sure you're not spending three hours with a three-minute person. That's pretty funny. I feel like our neighbor there across the road, every time I see him, we have really good, like, five-minute conversations. May even be, like, a half an hour to an hour. And then we won't talk again for about four months. Next is the expanded association. So while you're sitting there going through your friends list and you realize which ones you do want to spend the most time with because their lifestyle is most in line with the one you wish to have, then... You start focusing on them. He says in the book, if you don't have, not that I don't want to say if you don't have, but if you don't have a lot of positive influences in your life or people with desires, goals, dreams to help you get on that same path, then you need to search and seek them out. You could join an organization, a business club. You could join a gym. Fitness is usually a good baseline to, to start or a positive relationship on getting healthy one thing i've realized from having this podcast is that we aren't so different than many other people with our thoughts and like i'll start talking to them and they've already started the research they've been down the same road and i'm like oh heck yeah you should come join us and they're like oh no way i've been looking for a group yeah and if you can't get out says You may be busy at home with small children or caretaking of your aging parents, working long hours with people whom you have little in common. You too can have almost any mentor you want if he or she has gathered their best thoughts, stories, and ideas into books, CDs, DVDs, and podcasts. You have an unlimited bounty from which to draw, so take advantage of it. Yeah, that's amazing. The next step is find a peak performance partner. 
uh, someone as equally committed to study and personal growth as you. This person should be someone you trust, someone bold enough to tell you what they really think about you, your attitudes, and your performance. It could be that this person is a longtime friend, but he or she may be someone who doesn't know you well at all. The point is to get and give an unbiased, honest, and outside perspective. He tells a good story about him and his friend, how they call every week and they tell them all their goals, and then the next week they tell them which ones they got done, which ones they didn't. And he got to the point where he was showing up every week and, yeah, I don't really have anything. I don't have anything. And his friend's like, if you come to me next week like this, you're only offending me. Like, I found that really cool. His friend takes it that serious. He's like, this isn't a joke to me. Like, you better come to the table with something to improve every time. Yeah, he said, let this be the last week that you don't come to the table with an aha moment. Don't shortchange me, he said. In reality, I was shortchanging myself by not identifying one thing memorable enough to share. No, and it's really that simple. Just someone to talk to to make it real. I feel like we said that before. Was it last week or the week before where you had to have a little competition? And that's where it kind of is like a healthy competition because you're telling your friend and then you got to keep those goals or someone's watching you. The author says, I have a serious challenge for you if you're up for it. If you want real feedback, find someone who cares enough about you to be brutally honest with you and ask them these questions. How do I show up to you? What do you think my strengths are? In what areas do you think I can improve? Where do you think I sabotage myself? What's one thing I can stop doing that would benefit me the most? And what's the one thing I should start doing? That's a powerful thing, I feel like. You almost need to answer it yourself and then have your friend do it and then see how you know, it lines up. And you certainly need to be open-minded if you're going to attempt to do something like that. No, you'd never talk to them again after they point out your flaws. If you're easily offended and going to get butthurt over every little thing, then it's probably not a good idea for you to do that. It kind of goes along with the next part with investing into the mentorship, though. You need to have someone who's motivating you, keeping you real, but the mentorship's the next step where it's even it's someone who you want to be like and you almost know you can't like they push you even further than your friend can keep up on your level but this guy's like even beyond that there is an article in success september 2008 john wooden reinforces the point about mentors he says an individual needs to be open to being mentored it is our responsibility to be willing to allow our lives and our minds to be touched, molded, and strengthened by the people who surround us. As we've just learned from everything else. Another idea is to develop your own personal board of advisors. The author hand-selected a dozen people, which he uses once a week. He reaches, reaches out to a few of them, goes over ideas and what. But I like the last quote of this part. It says, never ask advice of someone who with whom you wouldn't want to trade places with. That goes with what we say every week, where you need to not ask your uncle who's poor money advice because he's just going to make you end up where he is. So He goes on to say, Additionally, when you're creating an environment to support your goals, remember that you get in life what you tolerate. This is true in every area of your life, particularly within your relationships with family, friends, and colleagues. To end this up, we're going to do a little paragraph that we thought was perfect to sum up. It's just the last couple bits of the chapter, but it's kind of, I don't really want to put it in my own words because I like the way that the author writes it. Um, 
It says, if you tolerate disrespect, you will be disrespected. If you tolerate people being late and making you wait, people will show up late for you. If you tolerate being underpaid and overworked, that will continue for you. If you tolerate your body being overweight, tired, and perpetually sick, it will be. It's amazing how life will organize around the standards you set for yourself. Some people think they're the victims of other people's behavior, but in actuality, we have control over how people treat us. Protect your emotional, mental, and physical space so that you can live with peace rather than in the chaos and stress the world will hurl upon you. That sounds like our intro. <laughs> so it must be we're working on the right things. It says, if you want to foster a disciplined routine of rhythms and consistency so that the big motivation not only pays a visit to your house but moves in, you have to be sure your environment is welcoming and supportive of you becoming, doing, and performing at world-class levels. And while we're on the topic of world-class in the next chapter, I want to help you take everything you've learned this far and give you the secret to now accelerating your results. Getting greater results with only a little more effort may feel a little like cheating, like an unfair advantage. But who said that life was fair? That does it for all my notes. You got anything else? Mm, nope. I think those are my notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be back next week to finally finish this up. Yeah, the book should be done next week. Come back for part six and the conclusion. See everybody then. Have a nice week. Bye. Thank you for joining us this week. We hope you've enjoyed our discussion and found it both informative and entertaining. Please stay connected with us and continue the conversation on our social media. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and TikTok. You can also catch us on most podcast platforms and catch up on previous episodes. If you have any suggestions or topics you'd like us to explore in the future, we'd love to hear from you, and you can reach out to us via email at 303 at gmail.com. Don't forget to leave us a review and share the podcast with your friends and family if you've enjoyed what you've heard. We will be back next week with more engaging topics and insightful conversations. Until then, take care, stay curious, and happy learning.